Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. Always appreciate you letting us be part of your day. One week till Election Day. Lots of uh, things at stake in this election. We'll be talking about some of those issues in just a moment. But also on the program today, we're going to get the latest on markets with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. We'll talk about the Department of Agriculture's rule making uh, some changes to equip the environmental quality incentives program we will talk with the director of government affairs for the national association of conservation districts about that and we're going to talk about the conditions in colorado they are dealing with fires there as well we hear a lot about the fires in california but a lot of fires in colorado we'll talk with Lori boyer with our affiliate ksir in fort morgan colorado a little later in the program but we'll start things off today with todd neely from dtn and todd i just gotta bring up saturday let's see 52 to 17 i believe the buckeyes beat the corn huskers but i'd have to say this i and i was watching uh, some of your tweets yeah. on uh, twitter and uh, i was uh so i was watching the game i was thinking about you and i thought hey, you know it's 52-17, but if there's such thing as a moral victory, I would say Nebraska looked much better than they have in years past. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it, it feels good. I mean, we're starting to get back to normal. You know, Nebraska's playing Ohio State and losing again, so it, it feels like we're right back where we needed to be. <laughs> felt good to me, but <laughs> but I was thinking about you. I wanted, I wanted you to know that. Appreciate All right, let's – yeah, let, let's, let's look a week from today. So much on the line in this election. Uh, I mean, the, obviously the presidential election gets uh, much of the attention, as it should. But so a lot of other areas, the, the Senate races are key. And in each state, uh, several states anyway, there are some very important uh, ballot initiatives that will certainly impact agriculture in those states. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. You know, um, here at DTN, we did a, we did a Zogby poll um, talking to rural people about what they feel about the, the election and, uh, you know, how they're feeling about, you know, the ag economy and the economy in general and, uh, you know, whether they support the president and those sorts of things. And, uh, you know, while the rural America is generally still supportive of President Trump in particular, uh, we had a pretty good slug of people, about 39 percent of the people we polled um, said that agriculture is actually worse off than it was four years ago. Uh, and that number outpaces uh, the 23% that said it was better. Um, you know, it's hard to say what people are thinking heading to the polls necessarily, uh, but I think there are some issues out there still that that are rather important for rural America that maybe the president's going to have to work harder on. You know, um, in that poll, it also talked about, um, you know, the economy is still the biggest thing that, that rural America looks at as, as in the most important um, and so you'd have to say that, you know, Trump's had a fairly good run on the economy until the, the coronavirus hit. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's really difficult to say where people are at the moment. Um, you know, I think as we go closer to Election Day, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, whether we get some real detailed information about it or not. 
but just interesting to see where some of the big ag issues kind of played a role in this, you know, China trade and uh, waters of the U.S., all the ethanol issues. Um, hopefully somewhere down the road we might have a, a, a feel for what how that actually played into this. Four years ago, Supreme Court justices, that was a big issue. Remains to be seen yeah. whether the uh, confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett uh, as the latest uh, Supreme Court justice, whether that, does that uh, right. strengthen the president's case or does that fire up his, the opposition because a, lot, uh, a right. lot on the Democratic side were not happy about that. It's going to be interesting to see how much of a factor that is in this election. Yeah, for certain. I mean, I think in general, uh, it sounds as if the public wanted uh, one of that Supreme Court nominee to be approved, and that was finished. Um, but you know, rural America is pretty—it's pretty diverse. We have a lot of uh, people from both sides of the of the issues: Democrat, Republican. Um, and like I said, I, I still think you know things are showing that rural America is still behind the president. But I, I do think that there are a lot of a lot of underlying issues um, that are still out there that are going to play a role. And I think the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court uh, nomination is definitely one of those. You know, I look at the, the, the numbers of people that have already voted and I think, well, the good news is more people are going to vote in this election than we than we usually see. So, you know, we often talk about, you know, we get we need more yeah. people to, to, to vote. Well, they're going to vote this time. But the other the, the other side of this is how complicated voting is in this country we have so many different ways of doing it state to state and i mean pretty good chance we won't even know the outcome election night yeah i think that's true you know we've got a lot of states that have implemented the 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 mail-in balloting um you know it's it's a pretty common thing i mean in any other election you know voting by mail really wouldn't seem like it's all that complicated or all that big of a deal but as we've seen in 2020 things have been uh, not so normal, and so <clears throat> it has become an election issue, and uh, we'll see, but I think that uh, you're right. I think we're going to have a number of states where there'll be some ballots coming in after Election Day. Well, that's the thing. The Several states have different days before they count them, right? I mean, it, it could be up to a week after, before, after right. the election before some of those votes actually get uh, counted. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how fast it, so that sort of thing can be done. You know, when, like here in Nebraska, when we vote, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty instantaneous. Your ballot gets submitted and, and away you go. And even when you mail in a ballot, uh, it's normally you got to have it in by a certain date before the election. And, uh, I, it's, it's, that part of this is a bit unusual seeing ballots coming in, you know, following the election and being counted after the election. Um, so yeah, it's it's a different different time for sure. Meanwhile, it doesn't look like they're going to get a stimulus package done before the election. Some think it'll get done in the lame duck, but boy, you never know what's going to happen in a lame duck. No, you're right, and I think uh, I you know I think I think we probably will see that after the election, whether uh, depending on who wins the White House, obviously. But um, you know, it's something that's still fairly bipartisan. You know, obviously, there's some parts of that. Uh, where the Republicans and the Democrats differ quite uh, quite extensively. But I think in general, um, you know, there's still some bipartisan support for that. And I think the president has come out saying that uh, he obviously wants something done as well. So we'll see. Meanwhile, CFAP 2 payments continue. Uh, a little over $7 billion have 
uh, have gone out in those payments. So at least that is still going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, farmers are really still in, in quite, quite a tough, uh, tough spot, as you know. And I think, um, you know, the more that we can get those payments out and, and the more people, uh, will start feeling a little bit better about their current situation. I, I think, uh, you know, again, here we are headed toward the end of the year. We're looking forward to the next year, and <laughs> we saw how that played out at the end of 2019. Yeah. So. Didn't, didn't work so well the last time. You're right. All right, Todd, thanks a yeah. lot. Good luck, to your, good luck to your Huskers the rest of the way. Hey, yeah, you too. Thanks, Mike. Todd Neely with DTN. Up next, we will talk with the Director of Government Affairs for the National Association of Conservation Districts about a new rule for EQIP. Stay with us on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Every week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you Choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. So be sure to tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, always interesting to look at developing consumer trends when it comes to food. And we talk with Charlie Arnott, CEO for the Center for Food Integrity. For the last 40 plus years, American agriculture truly has been the wonder of the world focusing primarily on increasing productivity, efficiency, and throughput. Today, consumers, engaged consumers, uh, retailers, and capital markets are beginning to ask whether or not other issues like sustainability, food safety, health and nutrition should also receive greater focus. And so there's, there's an important shift taking place where people are saying we want to continue to enjoy safe, very affordable food, but we also now are looking at other attributes as being equally important as consumers have greater interest in health and nutrition, extending their meals, fresh, high-quality food. All of those things are continuing to play a greater role in the decision process for engaged consumers, retailers, and for those who provide financing to agriculture. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. When you think of home, you think of warmth, comfort, and peace of mind. And that's exactly what you get when you choose Propane from FS. With Propane from FS, you get our well-trained professional staff, along with an array of products and services designed to ensure that your propane system is functioning properly and efficiently. Add to this a variety of convenient terms and ways to save money, and you've got the right solution to all your home energy needs. Contact your local FS propane specialist today. FS Propane. Feels like home. Visit fspropane.com. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. Restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. 
U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, the Department of Agriculture has finalized a rule making some changes to equip the Environmental Quality Incentives Program. Here to talk about that new rule is Coleman Garrison, Director of Government Affairs for the National Association of Conservation Districts. Coleman, thanks for joining us. Tell us about these uh, changes with this new rule. Absolutely glad to be on the program again. Uh, so NRCS, the National Resources Conservation Service, finalized the Environmental Quality Incentives Program rule, EQIP, as most of your listeners probably know it as. Um, last week, uh, making some changes to the interim final rule that they put out last uh, December, uh, making changes from the 2018 Farm Bill. So this is kind of the last step in a long process that the agency has to undertake once Congress passes new farm bill. Um, and most of these changes are relatively minor from what was included in the interim final rule before. Um, but I think one of the things that uh, conservation districts were pleased to see in the 2018 farm bill and ultimately included in the changes in this rule um, is a focus on helping producers who have land in CRP and when they're coming out of CRP and they want to begin farming again. Uh, there's been a concern that because you have to have a resource concern, um, whether that be erosion or soil health in order to get into these programs that CRP land being fairly healthy will not have resource concerns. So helping farmers transition into farming again after the land comes out of retirement and get into those equipped programs to help them uh, protect the landscape. Uh, something we thought was very important as we had heard some anecdotal evidence that some farmers in order to create that resource concern, they really had to kind of create a problem, which is certainly backwards from logical thinking after the taxpayers did invest in the CRP program for that for those acres. But for most of your listeners, um, they won't see a whole lot of changes in the EQIP program. It is still the bedrock conservation program available through the federal government. It really introduces many farmers to conservation uh, for the first time, uh, and they're trying to increase their natural resource protection and really go down that journey of protecting their landscape. Uh, so we really appreciated NRCS's continued focus on it, as well as Congress's uh, continued investment in the program in the last farm bill. What about the, uh, a change in the definition for a comprehensive nutrient management plan? Yeah, absolutely. This was uh, another provision that uh, NACD was supportive of uh, during the 2018 farm bill discussion. Um, the, the talking about pro, a progressive comprehensive nutrient management plan, uh, there was a concern that for uh, for contract holders that had to create these plans, that they had to then complete the suggested nutrient management protection uh, practices within that plan by the end of the contract, and uh, that really wasn't Congress's intent. So uh, NRCS has made those changes where uh, a farmer doesn't have to necessarily complete all of the the practices within the plan because the equip payment is really there to create the plan, not necessarily to actually implement the plan itself. Uh, and one of the changes they made in these in this last uh, in this last interim final rule is removing the requirement to fully implement this 
management plan by the end of the ECLIP contract. Uh, and so we think that is a, a positive step. It is, we don't want to kind of uh, push away uh, people who are interested in creating a management plan like this. Sometimes uh, producers, they don't need the payment to implement the practice. They just need kind of a technical know-how and allowing a producer to receive the comprehensive nutrient management plan uh, is really just a, a large first step. And then past that, certainly we hope the landowners will implement it at a certain places, but it should not be a requirement of the contract itself. We're talking with Coleman Garrison with the National Association of Conservation Districts about changes to equip, improvements to equip. Now, uh, the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition says the updated rule actually missed an opportunity to help small to mid-sized farmers and ranchers maximize their conservation benefit for generations to come. Uh, how do you respond to that, that the, the changes did not go far enough? So NRCS certainly had limitations. They can only implement the rule as Congress passed the statute during the 2018 Farm Bill. Um, and I do know uh, that coalition had additional requests in the 2018 Farm Bill that did not ultimately come to fruition um, and probably requested those changes again during the regulatory process. Uh, but NRCS does have limitations. They can't uh, do more uh, than the statute allows. Uh, I think certainly the equip program is becoming more available for those small producers, as, as you mentioned. Uh, but again, they, they have limitations on what they can do. Um, we want to make sure at NACD, at the conservation district, that all producers have access to these programs. Um, small producers have natural resource concerns just as much as producers who have large acreage amounts. So uh, it is kind of because it is the foundation bedrock program, um, it definitely needs to be available to everyone. Um, we're not that far away necessarily from looking at the 2023 Farm Bill, and there will be opportunities, again, uh, to make statutory changes to the program. Um, it's a various organizations that kind of our stakeholders advocate for those changes want them. Yeah, another criticism by the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition is that this uh, would let CAFOs, confined animal feeding operations, they say off the hook uh, when it comes to achieving nutrient management by only asking producers as a requirement to receive equipped funding to develop a plan but doesn't require them to achieve it. Is that a fair criticism? I don't think so. Uh, it's similar to the, the, the comprehensive nutrient management plan that we discussed earlier. Um, Congress was very clear that you do not have to necessarily implement the plan in order to be, to be meeting the requirements of your, of your contract. This would have been something that uh, I think uh, Congress it would have addressed if they wanted to. Um, we think it's actually appropriate uh, for them to not have to fully implement uh, the entire management plan in order to be eligible for the contract. That is not what the con a landowner's contract requires. Uh, I believe that would have been uh, outside the scope of what uh, Congress required in the 2018 Farm Bill. Um, so I, I don't feel that's a fair criticism that NRCS could have done that even if they had, if they had wanted to. I think that would have been outside the statutory requirements of the 2018 Farm Bill. Um, and I think generally there's, there's always some um, negative uh, things people looking at for CAFOs, the concentrated animal feeding operations. Um, as I mentioned, all sorts of agriculture operations have the potential to have nutrient management concerns on their landscape. Um, while not everyone views CAFOs favorably, 
Uh, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't still be eligible for various conservation programs at NRCS uh, because we still need to make sure that we're protecting our water quality across the country. We need to make sure that CAFOs have the opportunity to get involved in these programs as much as your row crop agriculture or grazing land agriculture. Uh, this update would also require NRCS to offer an advance payment option for underserved producers. How would that work? Yeah, so the concern out there is that for those producers uh, that are not able to implement uh, the practice that required and then get reimbursed afterwards, uh, that is a potential limitation for certain farmers to be able to participate in the program. So the advanced payment option really allows them to pay for whatever practices it is that their operation needs without requiring to get the money afterwards and get that money beforehand um, and then still NRCS will still verify that the practice is taking place. Um, but it's removing some of the, one of the barriers and one of the hurdles for maybe those more financially limited farmers uh, that are not able to put up that money up front. As you know, farmers are struggling across the country for various reasons, whether it's weather volatility or uh, concerns with low crop prices, and not everyone is able to put up what is sometimes fairly expensive practices up front. So overall, you feel these changes will strengthen, equip? Yeah, I do. I think NACD was very uh, very pleased with the way Congress passed the 2018 Farm Bill for the EQIP program. Um, some of the statutory changes, as we mentioned, transitioning from CRP into uh, real crop agriculture, as well as an increase uh, in the federal investment into the program. I think this is going to make uh, improvements to the program for uh, farmers and ranchers and forest landowners across the country. But for the most part, for your, for your normal farmer, I don't think they'll probably see a whole lot of changes uh, to the program itself. All right, this Coleman, thank you for a the... Good, a good thing. Yeah. Thanks for your perspective and uh, kind of explaining some of these changes uh, for Equip. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Talk to you later. All right. Coleman Garrison, Director of Government Affairs for the National Association of Conservation Districts, uh, with a look at the new rule making some changes in the Environmental Quality Incentives Program. All right. Up next, we're going to talk markets. Um, we've had a good rally in the markets here at harvest time, but how much longer could that last? What's that set us up for next year? We're going to talk about all that with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. That's coming up next right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. 
Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. Wheat futures finished lower yesterday due to rainfall over the weekend and more expected this week in wheat-growing areas of Russia and the U.S. Southern Plains. But traders were expecting a turnaround today based on Monday's USDA report showing U.S. winter wheat only 41% good or excellent versus 56% at this time last year. That was well below trade estimates. Chicago wheat December an hour into the day up two and three quarters, 622 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat December up four and a half at 556 and a half. Minneapolis spring wheat December down a penny and a quarter at 563 and three quarters. That's a bid. March bid at 576 up a penny and a quarter. December corn up two and a quarter at 420 a bushel. March at 420 and a half up two. November soybeans down a half at 1087 and a half. January down three quarters of a cent at 1082 and a half. Livestock at the Merck, positive signs in front of the changes for cattle and hog futures too. December lean hogs up 92 at 68.67. February hogs at 68.32 up 72. Live cattle futures, December up $1.05 at 104.45. February up 77 at 107.17. Feeder cattle, November contract $1.85 higher, 132.42. January 128.60 up $1.80. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow down 132 points. NASDAQ up 57. S&P down 10, December crude oil up 31 cents. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk it over with Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Robbo AgriFinance. Steve, good to talk with you again. A week away from the election, we figured the stock market will react to the election results. What about the commodity markets? Yes, good morning, Mike. Uh, good, to, good to talk to you. I don't know about up there, but here in St. Louis, it is a rainy, cold day. Um, you know, it's really interesting to think about that. 
And I've thought about that a lot, and, and I've gone back and forth about, well, I don't know if this will matter. I don't know if it, and then I go, well, I think it will matter. So I think there's a couple of things to be watching very carefully. Um, you know, I think the first thing we have to remember is that whether the president is reelected or whether former Vice President Biden is is elected, I think the stance on China is still going to be very uh, negative in the sense of it's a it's a battle or we're in a war. You know, whether it's a cold war, whether it's a trade war, whether it's a a technology war with China, I think that's still going to be in place, and I think that's something for us in agriculture to be worried about a little bit because that's kind of how we got to where we are now. It's because agriculture, right or wrong, always becomes sort of the pawn in the fight, if you have it. So I think we have to be thinking about that. At the same time, I think we also have to remember that, you know, you know, I worry a little bit about what will happen um, after the election with trade with China. Now, I think the good news, and I'm going to say this up front, is the good news is I think China needs they need food products. And so whether it's commodities, you know, raw commodities, or they need food, I think they're still going to need that. But I worry a little bit, does the pace slow down here after the election on the buying side? Do they, do they because they're trying to make a political point with the president, you know, they've kept the buying up um, to kind of keep everything on a level playing field. And after the election, if the president would be defeated, Will or even if he's not, um, will they slow that pace down a little bit? Because they may think the phase one trade agreement was a little bit, um, was a, as much as a trade agreement as it was a political document, and that they won't need to abide by it anymore. So I think that's the other worry I have a little bit is to watch how China reacts after the election. Is there any push there? I mean, right or wrong, we have to we have to admit that elections are big deals and that markets worry about them, there's uncertainty, and they, they do have impacts. And so I think I have to think about that as well. But I do, you know, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how it reacts. I think the other question, and, and we've talked a lot about this internally, is, you know, what is the fate of the Phase 1 trade agreement after the election? Whoever's reelected, um, is it still in play? Is it do we, does everyone kind of stand by the commitments or does it get ripped up and we start over again? I think that's the other piece we have to worry about and think about as well. So a lot to think about, a lot of uncertainty. What about a further shutdown or a renewed shutdown of the economy because of COVID? Well, I think that's always a risk we have to worry about. Now, I think... And I'm I'm going to maybe be the optimist a little bit here. I, is it, I'm on the optimist about China needs goods and goods and commodities, and so I, I'm optimistic that they will continue to buy. I do think that we've learned a lot since last spring, um, and this is because. And I think that if we do, you know, I think after the election, or even even now with COVID becoming more rampant across the United States and across the globe, so I think we have to be careful about that. Because I think we're better able to manage it. You know, the good news is now we've had, I can't even, it seems like it's been three years since last March, but hmm. we've, we've learned we have better therapeutics if people go to the hospital. You know, there, there are less deaths. I, I think that's a correct fact. So I'm going to, I'll, I'll leave that to someone to fact check me. But my perception is that we'll have better therapeutics if we all learn to social distance, if we all be smart about, you know, large gatherings or small gatherings for that matter. Um, and also be careful about, you know, we wear masks when we go out. Um, you know, we all have family members who have 
health issues that are compromised that we need to be respectful for. So I think we're better at that, and I, I hope we're better at that. And so I think because we are, I think that will avoid what we had last spring, these huge shutdowns of the economy. Now, having said all that, you know, I think from a food perspective, we still kind of, you know, it's, it's still going to be a grocery store event. It's not, you know, we're not going to restaurants. We're not going to, you know, hotel restaurants and institutions are still going to be a challenge for, for food, you know, for food, um, you know, for sale of food. But I think we've adjusted a little bit to that as well. So I'm, I'm optimistic. Now, I think we have to be careful, too, as it does sort of slow supply chains down a little bit. The supply chains have had to make a lot of adjustments, whether it's, you know, from a food manufacturer to the grocery store or whether it's from a vessel from New Orleans to, to Shanghai. I mean, they all, it just does sort of slow the system down a little bit. So I think that's something we have to be aware of. And, and that drives costs up a little bit when you think about freight costs, labor costs, things like that. We're talking with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. All right, Steve, we're in the, the latter stages now of Harvest 2020. Do we have a pretty good handle on this crop now, or are, are there, is there still enough out there that uh, could yet be a surprise for us when we look at the uh, final count here? You know, it's a great question. It's a question I thought about before we came on the air. I, I've learned about that myself. I, I don't think, and I'm going to say this, I don't think we'll see November surprises like we did back in 93, for example. Um, you know, after the great flood, I think we've got a fairly good handle on where we are right now. Um, you know, we've got a lot of crop out of the field. You know, we didn't have, we had quite a bit of crop out of the field in October. So we had pretty good numbers there. I would be surprised at this point if we would see a big surprise, either the upside or the downside, you know, come the November report. So I think that's, that's my view at this point. Um, and I don't think the market is thinking about that as well. So, you know, that's always the expectation game. If the market comes back and says, oh, you know, and says we think it's going to be this or that, and the market and the USDA comes to the opposite, then, yeah, then, you know, all bets are off. But I, I think we have a pretty good handle on it at this point. You know, harvest has progressed very well this fall. As the rally run its course, <laughs> is it running out of steam, or is there more to go here? <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's a really good question. I think and I'll make it quick in the sense of, what I let's talk about corn and soybeans in particular. I think soybeans there's more upside than there is to corn. But having said all that, when you look at long-term charts for both corn and soybeans and wheat for that matter, um, you're at multi-year highs. You have to look back at corn and soybeans both to see highs, particularly corn. You know, back into 13. You know, after the after the drought of 12, to see highs this high. Um, and so that gets me a little worried that we are approaching the the upper end of this. And I think particularly, again, like we've talked about with corn, you still have 2 billion bushels of corn stocks out there. So you have to be concerned that at some point that is going to come, you know, come to play um, in this market and the corn prices will, you know, have little upside from here. Now, beans, on the hand, is a different story because, one, you have the Chinese continue to buy beans and you have a big, you know, you have a big, you know, export program in place like you do with corn. Um, so we have to make sure we say that. Um, but beans also a much tighter situation. And as, I, as we said, as we discussed before, we get a few more bean purchases out of China. You know, that USS and D gets a lot tighter. You know, Brazil doesn't have any beans right now. And so I think, you know, that's what's going to be continuing to power the soybean market higher until we see 
what the Brazilian Argentine crop is next spring, and we also see how many acres we plant next spring because those are the two things we have to be aware of and be looking on, be on the lookout for because that will be, you know, the acreage number next spring and what Brazil produces will be the two things that will have the most impact on the markets, you know, six months from now. And I think we need to be aware of that. So what what's your take, what's your feeling on how farmers are, are looking at this opportunity? Are they selling into it? Are they cautiously selling into it? Are they holding for even higher prices? What, what do you think is yeah. happening here? <laughs> well, I think it's probably all of the above. You know, if you always get that all above and a multiple choice, you know, you always think about that as a question on test. Um, I think there's a little bit of all of that. But I do think we do see farmers now thinking about we've got to get some stuff marketed, um, not only this year, but one of the encouragements or coaching that we've given to producers is let's think about 21 as well. You've got numbers here, particularly when you look at corn and soybeans, uh, that are, you know, you can lock in profit margins. And as we always say, it's pretty hard to go broke if you're making a profit. And so we do think there are some farmers holding on. Um, you know, you look at basis levels, even the last week here during harvest have started to pop up a little bit. Part of that is, of course, the harvest issue. As you finish up harvest, you know, there's not much corn coming to the country that's not already been contracted. Um, and there's also, you know, there's some of that's going to be holding on. Um, but I do think farmers are thinking about getting some stuff sold now while they can at a profitable margin. And as we said last, you know, even, what, three months ago, four months ago, you know, farmers, if you saw $4 on that, on that corn board or $10 on the bean board, they said, yeah, I, I did sell that. Well, here's your opportunity, and I think we have to encourage them to do that. So, but I think it's all over the board. Yeah, I was just thinking that if you just said, told them four months ago <laughs> you would have these prices, they said, "We'll sell, we'll yeah. sell." But now that you're here, you're thinking, "Well, maybe it'll go a little higher." Yeah, exactly, and that's the cancel with close mentality. But we certainly want to we want to encourage producers. You know, what does it cost you to produce that crop? And if that's where you start your marketing to get your costs covered, mm-hmm. and then and then go on and see there's some gravy there. Because if you've got better yields this year in some parts of the Corn Belt, there's your opportunity to get a little more gravy. So, yeah, let's let's not lose this opportunity because we think it's going to $5 or it's going to $12 beans, whatever the case might be. All right, Steve, good yeah. to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Good. Thank you, Mike. Good to talk to you as always. Take care. Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance. Up next, we go to Colorado, Fort Morgan, Colorado, and get an update on conditions there and uh, talk about the fires in the state of Colorado. All that coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids 
kids, parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Brock Slabaugh, Senior Vice President, National Rural Health Association. How is the rural health care system holding up under this pandemic? We have places around the country where hospitalizations and surges are within uh, normal or but no normal ranges. But then we have other parts of the country that are experiencing some rapid increases in cases with increase in hospitalizations and filling up intensive care units. Those are occurring largely in South Dakota, North Dakota, Wisconsin, kind of growing in the state of Montana. So we've got some large areas of the United States uh, being impacted by this right now. Keep in mind, 61% of rural hospitals do not have an intensive care unit. Many times if the care needed exceeds the capacity, they have to be transferred to some of the larger regional hospitals. And uh, when those are full, the rural hospital has to take care of those patients for longer. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership, including having a voice in how the cooperative is managed. Today, we're talking with Sarah Olson, who farms in central Kansas and chairs her local cooperative board of directors. Sarah, thanks for joining us. You obviously are very busy on the farm. What made you decide that you would also take the time then to become a leader of your local co-op? You know, initially, I didn't come from an ag background. So I started on the co-op associate board just to learn more about the cooperative system and what that really means and how cooperatives work. And eventually that turned into a desire to make sure that cooperatives continue to thrive. Um, They play such a large part in local communities and local economy, and they're such a big part of, you know, farming operations that I wanted to see that continue and to play a part in making, you know, decisions that would help the cooperative be here for many years to come. How has your perception of co-ops changed since you were elected to the board? You know, I first thought that cooperatives were a place that you take your grain, maybe pick up a bag of dog food when you need it, and I've learned that there's so much more to it than that. Um, I didn't realize the part that cooperatives play in local economy and employing people and providing services for the ag community. Um, It's just really broadened my outlook on the importance of cooperatives in today's agriculture society. 
even if you don't have a desire to serve on the board of directors, talk to the people that are currently on your board of directors. Let them know issues that you have or things that you would like to see done differently or things that they're doing well so that they know that the direction that they're heading in is right. Kansas farmer Sarah Olson. Sarah, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And thanks for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of co-op ownership from CHS at cooperativeownership.com. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. We have certainly seen and heard and read a lot about the fires still going in in California, but also there are fires in the state of Colorado. Let's go to Fort Morgan, Colorado, our affiliate there, KSIR, and we talk with farm broadcaster Lori Boyer. Lori, good to talk with you again. Uh, I know you're not in that immediate fire area, but kind of tell us what it's like there in Colorado and the impact being felt across the state. Yes, for sure, Mike. Yeah, as you mentioned, that's on the western slope. I'm on the eastern slope. However, I can speak to a few things because I do have some pretty direct connections with folks that have been affected. And even though those fires are on the west slope, there is a couple that are actually fairly close to us, uh, not too far away in the county-wise, and one not too far away from where I grew up. So I have a special interest in that one. But we out here in eastern Colorado, all the way to the Nebraska border, are really feeling the effects with very poor air quality. We've had terrible, terrible air quality and lots of notices from the state and the health department for several weeks now. There's days when you can't see out there. It's so foggy and you have to turn on your headlights. It's funny, up in Weld County, which is a neighboring county east of us, there was a picture on Facebook of somebody who had all their combine lights on at 2.30 in the afternoon. So very dense there. I have ash falling on my car. When you walk outside into your driveway, there's ash all over. So we're definitely feeling effects all throughout eastern Colorado. Uh, Now, as far as producers and agriculture, we don't have a lot of commodities that are grown in that part of the state. We do have some alfalfa. We do have some small grains. But really a, a lot of very, very old ranches up in that area. We have a lot of cattle, a lot of goats. I have checked in with some of those producers. And it's been a really difficult to try to round up animals. In some cases, especially with horses and cattle, people are spray painting their phone numbers on the animals and just letting them go. And hopefully those animals will be found later and make it to safety. So in some cases, the urgency to evacuate has been that quick that they can't even get them gathered up. And I know I'm rambling just a little bit, but I also want to say that as in fashion with the I community, We've had people out here hooking up their trucks and trailers and heading right up there to help out. We have people that are fostering livestock, that have opened up their fields for people to put their campers on, and that are doing their best to provide feed where needed, Mike. Yeah, always a hallmark of rural America, people helping uh, people uh, in times of need. So it's good to uh, to hear that. Uh, what's the... What's the latest as far as getting those fires contained? Are they anywhere close? So that's been a huge problem. We have been extremely dry. 99% of Colorado is in some form of a drought declaration. And up until last week, we had warmer than, weather, warmer than normal weather, 
weather, not wet, mm-hmm. weather conditions, and that is, oh, and wind, and that has really fueled those fires. Now, in the last couple of days, we're like at minus two here today. We have totally changed. That's Colorado fashion for you. We did receive some snow yesterday, very cool temperatures. The wind died down. That has actually helped those fires tremendously. The biggest concern then was the fact that they were trying to keep people out, not only because of fire danger, but because of icy roads. <laughs> so the emergency responders wow. had to, uh, to deal with the icy roads yesterday. But yes, we are over halfway contained in one of the biggest fires. We have three very large fires and a handful of other small fires that are going on. But the three biggest ones and the one closest to us is now 64% contained, and they're calling that the East Troublesome Fire. So a challenging fall for Colorado. What about there in your part of the state, the eastern side of Colorado? What kind of a harvest season have you had? All right, I'm glad you asked. And I I need to correct that number, actually. The East Troublesome Fire is 15% contained. The Cameron Peak Fire, the largest fire in history and the largest fire burning right now, 64% contained. The weather helped that out. As far as what's going on here, we're in a very diverse area, very diverse in harvest right now. As I mentioned, we've had very, very dry conditions and warmer than normal conditions, which means harvest has actually gone very well. Almost all of our crops, we are well ahead of normal when it comes to harvest this time of the year. So that's, that's, I guess, good news for for us. However, the dry conditions have meant some of the wheat has been abandoned, uh, had to get dusted in. Uh, We've had corn acres that have been abandoned as well. Uh, We are right now into the green harvest of corn. We're actually on the tail end of that. Silage went so quick, I feel like I I blinked my eyes and we were done with silage Mm -hmm. this year. It went so fast because of that. Uh, Sugar beets, we have about 30,000 acres, believe it or not, here in Colorado. We've had some good times and some bad times. So we started off early harvest pretty well. It got extremely hot, so we had to stop harvest. But now that we have cooler conditions, harvest is in full swing again there. And again, I've heard some, um, some tales of being too hot. I've heard some very bad wind earlier in the season knocked off some of the tops on those. So I'm not sure where we're at on actual harvest of those, but I'll find that out a little bit later on as we get more harvest out there on that. We have prosil millet that's almost done. Have not heard a lot of problems going on there. That's good news. Sunflower harvest has begun. We're about halfway done with that. Sounds like things are going well for sunflower growers this year. You have a lot of dairy in your area. How are, how's the dairy industry going there? Dairy industry is doing pretty well. There are a little bit of concerns right now about just seed supplies in general due to the drought that we've had and not knowing where those seed supplies are going to be. I would suspect that if you asked me this again in a few months, we would talk about water issues. Because it's been so dry and we've been in drought, I'm a little one, I'm just uh, hesitant to talk about how much water is going to be available. We do use uh, quite a bit of water in those dairies and for feed for those dairies. We'll have to see where that heads. But overall, supply, dairy supply is doing well. Uh, we have our, our, our dairies are well stocked right now. We might be seeing a little bit more sell-off because of the drought in the dairy industry. I haven't heard a lot of that right now. But we are seeing some early sell-offs for producers in general because of drought. All right. Lots of challenges there in Colorado. Lori, thanks for the update. Good to talk with you again. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Lori Boyer, 
farm broadcaster at our affiliate KSIR, Fort Morgan, Colorado. She does a great job of covering agriculture there in Colorado and appreciate that update. Thank you. We appreciate you for joining us today. Have a safe day. Join us again tomorrow right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.